I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Happy Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. We're here with a, I wouldn't call it an emergency podcast. I'd call it a celebratory podcast. We're here to celebrate because as of right now, according to Mr. Sham Sharanara, if I butchered his name, I apologize. According to Mr. Adrian Wojnarowski, Kevin Durant is staying in Brooklyn, which means the saga is over. We've come to an end, completion, and Jalen Brown remains a Celtic. As usual, I'm joined by my homie, my compadre, my co-host in crime, Mr. Will Weir. What's popping, brother? What's going on, Taylor Gang? I think uh, I think everybody in this saga must have known that you have an impending vacation, and they got it. They were like, you know what? A- Adam's going to be gone for a week. Our guy deserves it. He needs a vacation. He's been working hard. The only bit of content that's been circulating for the past month and probably continuing all the way up until potentially training camp is these little slow drip Kevin Durant news days. Let's just take it off the table so my guy can relax on his vacation. And now you get you, you get that gift, Adam. That, that's how does that feel? Is that a weight off your shoulder? There's no chance at this point. Or seemingly, let's say seemingly, because the NBA flips on a dime. Seemingly, no chance of uh, Kevin Durant breaking news while you're on vacation. Yo, so I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there yesterday. I think I was eating some lunch or something. And I was like, you watch Kevin Durant gets traded while I'm sitting on a beach somewhere drinking some rum. And I'm not going to be anywhere near any form of internet connection or, you know, because your cell phone roaming charges and all that. So like to know that that's not going to happen and I'm going to be chill. I, I, I'm going to enjoy this vacation twice as much now because I, there's no... <laughs> You don't want to come back and be like, hey, KD is at Boston. And all of a sudden, everybody's a week ahead at figuring out what the yeah. rotations are going to look like. And all of, and I'm playing catch up until training camp. So uh, I, I'm stoked, dude. And to be honest with you, I think I've gone backwards and forwards on whether I wanted KD on the team like at least 10 times. Yeah. I know. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's, I think that's the, so this is the part, this is the way I look at it. It's relieving because now it's all we have to do is focus on the team at hand, what the rotations are. And that's fun in itself. And it felt a little difficult to do that with this type of news looming over the possibility of changing everything. Even if kind of my stance was you're basically swapping out JB for KD. And of course there would have been other salary and that probably Derek white, whatever, you know, but it's 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 relieving to just know that we have this team. And, and one of the things that I had always talked about is I think whatever whichever way this trade went down, if it ever happened to go down or not go down, whichever side you're on, it's defensible either way, in, in my opinion. And so now just having this off the table, removing it as a possibility, we know where we stand. And now, you know, Adam, I, I do think it's a little bit fun and maybe something we'll talk uh, you know, at a very high level here. Now we can actually really look at not just the Celtics and what they've done this offseason and what this team is going to look like depth chart rotation wise. How's it all going to fit? But you can also start to actually handicap a little bit of what the East is going to look like because the Nets were such a big question mark. And I think one of the things that gets overlooked is at least on paper, and we've seen plenty of paper teams, the Nets being the biggest example that that just tend to, to not work out. So it might not mean anything at all. But on paper, the Nets are still a, a pretty damn good team. They got to get some some kumbaya and the vibes, and this is the first step towards getting that corrected. But there is a world in which this team is 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 pretty scary in an Eastern Conference, and 
you know, I don't know where I where I put them right now immediately off this news, but but they're not too far away from the top. But it is a massive question mark. I like the fact that we can look forwards instead of staying in the moment. I like what you say. We can look at the rotations. We can figure out who's going to get minutes where, how Brogdon's going to fit. We can go back to arguing whether there's going to be a minutes restriction. We can go back to arguing whether there's going to be Danilo Gallinari playing some five, playing at the five a little bit. You know, and we can actually talk more Celtics basketball rather than a hypothetical trade. Now, what I would say is I am very hopeful that the Celtics managed to talk Jaden Brown around. You know, he's had his name thrown out in trade rumors for weeks on end at this point, almost at a daily basis. The fact that there's a report out there that Boston genuinely reached out to Brooklyn with Jalen Brown in an offer. Now that KD has decided he's staying in Brooklyn, it's important to know that Boston are going to sit down with Jaden, explain the situation and try and keep him on board, especially because now you're kind of tied into JB. So you need to make sure he's on board now and you still hold the opportunity to sign him to a new contract when he eventually ups out of the current one. I think that's like a super important idea. Uh, I think it's really interesting to think about what, you know, cause there was so much confusion and, and, and I get it because you, you never know directly, like what was formally offered, what was not formally yeah. offered, what was the conversations when this is all coming out between, you know, Brad Stevens and, and Jalen Brown, the front office and, and Jalen Brown, because now I think it's depending on what that dialogue has been now that it's seemingly behind us. And once again, I, I always say seemingly because I feel like things change in this. The NBA is the most dramatic professional sports league probably to ever exist so things can change very quickly but seemingly with this behind you now you kind of just double down and we were never trading Jalen brown whether or not that's true i don't know but that's what's going to be said publicly in some form or fashion the next couple of days i would imagine and you double down hard on that you know this is our guy this is our team this is what we believe wins this you know wins banner 18 because that's what what it's all about and so it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out because I think this is when it comes down to, and this was always the tricky part of this drama, this saga extending itself, is how does this actually make Jalen Brown feel? And how is the line of communication, how is the relationship between him and the front office, the coaching staff, to make sure that we're all on the same page, knowing that, you know, it's it's a tricky business that you can you can tell them how much you love them, but at the end of the day, there might be a business decision that makes more sense than how much you love them, and it's a business. And so you got to weigh those two things. So I'm going to be very interested to see how this plays out. But hopefully, like you said, this is the area where now you double down. This is our guy. This is our team. And from here now, the Celtics can operate with all right. Let's just focus on us. Let's remove the distractions. This is our team. What do we have? And then what do we need on the fringes to make sure that the shortcomings that we felt in the NBA finals a few months ago don't occur next year and that we're set up in the best position so that when we get our opportunities again against a, a loaded NBA, the NBA is so talented. I think we always forget how difficult it is to get to the spot where the Celtics even got to that when we get there, you know, we're ready to face those challenges. And so in a sense, that's a, that's a whole new light on what this team can, can start to look forward and start to manage. So you talk about a loaded NBA. Brooklyn are going into the new season with Kyrie Irving going to be there. Kevin Durant's going to be there. Ben Simmons is going to be there. They're not going to be a pushover. Ben Simmons is a huge upgrade on their perimeter defense. When you look around the league, Atlanta, well, the Eastern Conference, Atlanta got better. 
Philadelphia got better. Milwaukee and Milwaukee. Miami is still there. Like Boston doesn't have a clear path back to the finals, but I'd much rather do it with Jalen Brown than do it with Kevin Durant with the concern that, yo, if you don't make it to the finals this year, maybe Kevin Durant's not going to want to be here or maybe he's going to be pushing for Udoka and Stevens to get fired. Him agreeing to remain in Brooklyn, to me, is a silver lining on what's been an exceptionally good offseason for Boston so far. Just from the fact that you can keep that continuity and keep challenging the way you've been challenging and growing the way you've been growing. So where do you handicap Brooklyn right now? If we're thinking about the hmm. tiers of the Eastern Conference coming in. So like, for example, I'll, I'll give you kind of mine to set it up. And you maybe you just let me know if you agree or disagree with this is how I, I view it. Because Brooklyn, for me, I just kind of put them off to the side up until this moment. Yeah, for like, sure. I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know what the hell's going on with them. Because if KD goes, then they're making some type of Ka- Kyrie move. And we'll have to see what they look like. But. Now that it looks like they're kind of coming back with their team. And I think they actually made some pretty interesting moves in the offseason, right? They they got Royce O'Neal. They got um, uh, TJ Warren on a cheap deal. Joe Harris comes back from injury. Ben Simmons comes back from injury. Seth Curry was a shell of himself in that playoff series against the Celtics. He was doing none of the stuff that made him, you know, a, a great pick and roll player with, with Joel Embiid in, in Philadelphia. He was doing none of that. He didn't have the mobility for it. So you get all those guys back and you still have Nick Claxton. And then of course, KD and Kyrie, like, like that's, that's, that's pretty good to work from. So for me, I still think of it because there's such a, a lot of vibes that need to get figured out. A lot of, a lot of tensions that need to be settled in Brooklyn before you can feel confident in them. I still think it's Milwaukee and Boston in that top tier as to who I would expect to see in a conference finals or, or, or representing the East in the finals. I'll throw Brooklyn in kind of this middle tier by themselves. They're like a one a slash two a, I, I don't know really how to, how to put them where then I have the Miami Philly. And then right below that is where you get the Toronto Chicago Atlanta Cleveland group that I, that I think, and maybe New York's lingering on there, depending on what happens with their own situation. But, but that's kind of the way that I'm assessing the East at the current moment with a few weeks until training camp. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. So I think I'd have Brooklyn in that top tier. So I'd have it as okay. Milwaukee, Boston and Brooklyn simply because we've been on this podcast talking about how, if you've got Kevin Durant, you have to be considered the contending team. So I think it's disingenuous to then be like, well, Brooklyn have got Kevin Durant, but we're not classing them as a contending team, yeah. you know? Uh, but on the flip side, we've seen that implode before. We know that Kyrie Irving is about Kyrie Irving. We know that Kevin Durant is 100% a hooper, but his two supporting guys in Kyrie and Ben Simmons aren't as committed to being championship level NBA players as they are to just being NBA entities. Does that make sense? So I think that Brooklyn could be anything among the top three to in that same situation with the New York's, the Atlantas and the Chicago's, depending on how they all gel as a unit, depending on whether KD fully buys back in. Like there's a, there's a lot of variables with Brooklyn. I think there's a world in which Brooklyn could be the one seed. There's also a world in which Brooklyn could be in the playing game. Yeah. And there's a world where they don't make variability. The variable is like a, like last season when when the Lakers decided to go with uh, the Golden Girls rotation, right? You know, like um, that to me was almost a very similar kind of thing, right? There was a world where yeah. they could dominate because you've got so much experience throughout the entire roster. And there's a world where you can implode. 
because how do you keep everybody happy with all these old guys there's going to be creaky joints which means you're going to miss some time and you could have been a champion or you could have missed the playoffs they missed the playoffs it was mm-hmm. and but that was the risk of assembling as what i've dubbed the golden girls right lineup and now you're in brooklyn it's a very similar obviously you don't have a lot. There's no Blanche or anybody there this year, but you are. They, they they still have. I think technically Lamarcus and, and Blake could be on that team, so they could have some semblance to that. Do you know what I'm saying? But you know, Brooklyn could be the first seed. They could be the team to miss out on the playoffs completely. We just yeah. don't know. Uh, what I will say is, and I think this is an important thing to note. I will say that now that Kevin Durant's decision has been made, I think there's been a lot of teams holding off and filling out their roster with some veteran talent. That's why you still see guys like Dennis Schroeder on the free agency market, Carmelo Anthony, Blake Griffin, uh, Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside. I think that now that Durant has basically been told the world that, hey, I'm staying in Brooklyn, we start to see a little bit of movement, maybe a trade or two, but we definitely see some of these older vets start to get picked up because every team was just waiting for that snowball effect from the Durant trade. And if that's not happening, they have to go back to what they was originally planning before Durant shook the entire NBA with that trade request. Do you see any of that playing into the remainder of the Celtics offseason? They just signed Denzel Valentin to a to a training camp deal. So I actually don't even know if they have a, a, another space to technically make a move. But that you know as you were talking that kind of made me wonder you know, while there was this quote unquote, you know, formal, non-formal offer of JB, Derek White and a pick, you know, we had talked about in this show, like what if at the end of the day they were like, hey, all right, we like that deal, but if we're really going to get it done, we need Grant Williams or we need, you know, Peyton Pritchard or we need, I don't know, one, one more role guy that would really affect the the Celtics depth, you know, maybe not a deal breaker, but would affect the depth. Do you think at this point, if the Celtics are looking at it like, okay, now we don't got to worry about putting um you know, p- putting any additional of our of our needed depth into this trade to make it work, that now they can look at, at really, and this is what we, t- we talked about, now we're looking at the Celtics and what else they still need. And I think despite, you know, one of the pieces that you wrote that was really well done about Luke Cornett coming into the season as that... <clears throat> as that third big, excuse me, that maybe that's an area with like Dwight Howard, who we've talked about as well. Maybe that's an area they're more willing to explore now, knowing that, Hey, we're not moving grant or we're not moving, you know, somebody else that's currently on the roster. Yeah. So I've, I've kind of accepted the fact that like going off that J King report at the start of the month, right. Where the Celtics are looking at giving a bunch of young, hungry guys that have fallen outside of the league an opportunity. If you look at who they've got on that road, that, Exhibit 10 deals. Mm-hmm. Noah Vanley, if I remember correctly, was a lottery pick. Denzel yes. Valentine was a lottery pick. If I remember correctly, Justin Jackson was just outside of being a lottery pick. Uh, you've got Kevin Jelle that was around that region in the draft process. You've got the well. Brazilian Kevin Durant. Yeah, you've got Bruno Caboclo. So he, Brad Stevens has brought guys in that other teams have seen, seen upside in before, and they've never been either never been in the right situation, or you know what it's like for young guys. Some of them just don't apply themselves. You've made the NBA, you achieved that goal. What's next? And and that what next can take years for some people to figure out and by then it's too late for a lot of guys so yeah. I, I have kind of bought into the idea that brad steven's gonna give these youngsters or like these young vets like in air quotes yeah. a good way to put it young vets i like that every opportunity to earn themselves a rotation spot right now if you've got cabin jelly on a two-way deal now if van Lee doesn't impress and and you're not really convinced van Lee's that guy 
And you're like, Cabin Jelly could do well, but like we're not sold that if we convert him and we're forced to play him due to injury, can he be that dude? Well, now you don't have to worry about making deals work for Durant or whoever. So you can go and bring in a Dwight Howard or a Hassan Whiteside. That option is still available to you. Same on the wing. You know, I think Carmelo Anthony, after what he showed in LA the last two years and what he showed in Portland off the bench, and I know I'm a bit biased because I grew up with Melo being one of my favorite offensive players, but I still think there's enough in the tank for him to be a, a, a really helpful guy off the bench to a contending team, not just because of the fact that he wants to win a chip anyway. He's one, you know, one of the only ones from his draft class and his group of friends that have never won. Plus the fact that he's a, a true vet, can come in and help, you know, might even be able to show Tatum some stuff out that low post fade away. And so if you, if Justin Jackson isn't doing it for you and Valentine or Caboclo, you're kind of like, yeah, these guys are good. But again, if we're forced to play them, we're not sure where we're going to be at. Let's just go get Carmelo Anthony on a vet minute. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But I do agree that you give these young vets opportunity first because if you find something there and you can like uncover some upside and you feel like you can nurture that into being a legitimate player down the road, then you do that before you take the vet. But if nothing's popping, like I don't think Brad Stevens would have any hard feelings about telling all of them, like now you're not up to the standard we need. Hello, Carmelo. Yeah. Hello. Dwight for sure, Moore. for sure, and that, that that's the championship mindset when you get to a certain point in the season where it's you know we want to we want to plan a little bit for the future, but also we have the goods right now, so we're going for it, and that's where you sacrifice you know whatever that might be. But so it sounds like from what you're saying right now on August 23rd, as you and I are talking, you, you would go into training camp with the the roster basically as is. Let's see what we have with this back end group because we know what the main you know basic ten man rotation is of, of who's getting playing time right off the bat when the season starts. And, and I'm sure we'll break that down in future podcasts of, of, of what that looks like. Sixth man, seventh man, all that, all that type of stuff. But we basically know who that group of, of 10 to even 11 is. And so it's really kind of those last two spots that you're trying to figure out who's going to give you the, the depth in case of injury rest that you need. And so right now you would move forward with the group that you have, see what you see, what, see what you have out of these young vets, as you called them, and then assess from there as you move into the season. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, all you just assessed for at training camp. Like all of these guys, apart from Cabin Jelle, are on Exhibit 10 deals. Their deals expire at the end of training camp. Yeah. If anyone's, I think Van Lay might be on a, a year long deal, but it's fully non guaranteed. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, you know, I'd it's have easy to money to move that. around. There's, there's not, yeah. there's not a single one of them that you can't move off of to go get something else if you feel like there's something there exactly. to, to be done. So, and that's the biggest, that's the biggest part of it all. So, my, my take is you let these guys fight it out at training camp where they're all going to be giving you their very best because an NBA contract is on the line. And if you don't earn it now, you're back abroad for another season because this is your chance. And if it doesn't work, you're either going down to the G League or you're going over to Europe or in Caboclo's case, back to Brazil or wherever it may be, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going to get their very best or you, you'd assume. And if none of that, if their best isn't what you need, then you just today, well, thanks for coming to training camp. You're not what we need right now. We've got no commitments to you. I want to go and pick up a veteran off the bench, like to come off the bench that I know I can rely on for 10 minutes, eight minutes, seven minutes a game that's been producing consistent output for the last 20 years, 15 years. You go and do that instead. But say Bruno Caboclo goes off in training camp, he's cooking falls. Well, that holds more value. 
both immediately and long-term for me to give him that deal rather than give it to a vet that's going to bounce in a year. Do you know what I mean? And then we're going to build some, like I know loyalty in the NBA is kind of a, a very flippant thing and it's very fluid from both at both the front office and from the player personnel. I mean, this whole KD ordeal is the perfect example of that. Exactly right. But you'd assume you'd build up at least some good cachet with like a Bruno Caboclo or something. And you, you can see that I think Brad Stevens is trying to, right the wrongs of the past with this with Max Struess and so forth mm-hmm. and this is a good opportunity to do so but again if no one's popping I'd much rather him just say to everyone thanks for turning up you, you got some good runs in yeah and, and I'm going to go get some vets. And one of the beauties of being a team coming off of a finals run like the Celtics is that you can't kind of wait for the buyout market. You're going to have some form of appeal, right? So you can use that early part of the season, the training camp, early part of the season to kind of go through and, and you know, play around with that 11th, 12th, 13th spot on the roster and see who can, because I think that's the biggest question for me when I look at this, the Celtics team, this is kind of transitioning us to, to looking at this, this roster as a whole. Like I said, the, the, the top spot, we mostly know what that's going to look like. It's likely going to be the same starting five as last year because net rating wise, that's the best starting five in the league. I, I can't imagine them changing them. There's already been a report that Brogdon is going to come off the bench. So then you have Malcolm Brogdon, who if he's healthy, should be a six man of the year candidate, you know, right off the bat. And you haven't even got to Danilo Gallinari. You haven't got to Grant Williams. You haven't got to, you know, Peyton Pritchard. And you're looking at like, this is already getting about nine ish deep. Then you got Sam Hauser, who I think is going to get a shot at, at really trying to be that, that max struce that you talked about we'll see if he's ready i think he's gonna get some opportunities early in the season then you got to worry a little bit about you know is luke Cornette going to be able to hold up and i think he's fine i think the moments where this all becomes a more heightened issue or, or more of a spotlight on it is if rob williams needs to miss two weeks if al horford needs some extended rest for for a couple weeks if brogdon gets hurt which is a very real possibility and you look at his career we know marcus smart the way he plays He's going to miss, what, 10 to 15 games at a minimum. Just go ahead and and, and, and pencil that in. And then you want to make sure that the Jays have their their win when they come down. So, you know, you're not going to be too shy about, hey, I don't mind them sitting out one extra game every month, two months, you know. And if they get an injury or they get a tweak, you want to make sure that, hey, I'd rather them come back a week late than a week early if that's going to affect our long-term play. So then it's how does that back end kind of supplement what the Celtics have? And, you know, to be honest, like that's, that's the one question mark with all of these guys is can they fill in not for a game, but if they need to be called upon for a two, three week stretch, can we get by with these guys? And, and that's what you'll have to find out early in the season. And I think it's going to be pretty interesting to, to watch and see how they manage it and see what email learns. Cause we talked so much about, him basically going, what, eight guys, eight, nine guys from January on. And that's the whole reason they got to where they were at. But it's also one of the biggest reasons they lost when they got to the NBA championship was the NBA finals is that they didn't have the steam or the energy. So what does Ime take from that and learn about mixing guys in and kind of straddling that line of playing my guys versus experimenting and finding out what else I have? Well, this is why I'm saying, like, if you if you if you're asking the question, I know I went onto a remix then. But if you're um if you're asking yourself the question during training camp, like, yeah, you're giving me some good time now, but how effective would you be if I'm forced to play you? Exactly. Like, if you're Cabangele and now Cornet's gone down and you're forced into ten to fourteen minutes a night, 
because or you know maybe you have to fill in for Horford when or Horford Rob sits. goes down and Cornet's yeah. playing that 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 second role and he's playing 20 minutes a night now Kevin Jelly's gonna play 10 minutes or whatever yeah. it might be yeah and whatever it might be and you're not convinced that Kevin Jelly can do that while still giving you enough impact to help you continue winning then you have to go into that free agency market where there's proven veterans and it's more important on the wing because I do think that you know uh the Kevin Jelly could come in and give you some consistent minutes along with Cornet, along with Rob, and then you can always slow Grant Williams up as well. So you have a bit more versatility there, whereas score, wing scoring was a big issue last season, you know, and also mm-hmm. you could slide up Gallo if you needed to, to the four, or the four, like to the five. Whereas on the wing, I think like, like a Carmelo, that's important. Uh, but, but both roster spots, in my opinion, if you're not convinced that these, these young vets are going to be able to give you legitimate minutes for a prolonged stretch, because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, we're not, we're not even a season removed from hardship contracts. You, you, people forget that Joe Johnson played a game for the Celtics last season at 40. You know what I'm saying? Justin Jackson was there on a hardship deal. Like That tells you that sometimes you really do need to take into account your 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th guy. And if you're not doing it, well, then it's going to come and bite you in the butt when you have to go to an eight-man rotation again. So I agree, but I'd much rather them figure that out in training camp because a lot of these deals expire after training camp, you know, so they're not going to be able to to test a lot of these guys in the regular season because they're just not going to be there. Yeah. Adam, I got to say, I was thinking about this as you were talking. We started this podcast talking about the breaking news of Kevin Durant, and we have done a pretty amazing job of spending the last 10 to 15 minutes talking about the back end. Because of the, we haven't of the been able to do it, we haven't been, I know, it, and it's, it's, it's just making me think of what that relief is, that it's like, oh my God, we don't have to beat around the bush of this Kevin Durant news, because it was almost like, it felt like every time you and I, and, and when Greg was here, we would sit down. To, to do a podcast, it was almost like I had Twitter up the entire time refreshing in case that was when the news broke yeah. of this might happen because that just changes the outlook on everything. So it, it's very refreshing. that These are the conversations that that, you know, we're, we're going to to start to have now is is just focusing on what this true Celtics team or what the Celtics team for the next season is, is going to look. And I think that's probably you know, my biggest takeaway from this, from this KD news. Cause like I said, my, my point with this whole scenario was I think you could be pro either way and not be wrong. It was going to, I was actually thinking about this this morning when I was taking my dog for a walk, shout out to my dog taco. Love you, buddy. Is, you know, like I was, I was thinking about it and I was like, I could defend either side. If this trade happens or doesn't happen, I can defend it either way. But ultimately two years from now or a year and a half from now, there's going to be one, one side of this argument that's likely going to be very right or very wrong. But in the moment, it's not going to feel that way. I think in the moment, it was going to be very defensible. But there was going to be one way or another that this was going to swing, that it was either the wrong move or the right move. or You know what I mean? There there was going to be a winner and a loser, even if it didn't feel like it in the moment because it was a defensible act. Like that was going to happen. And I was starting to kind of go through all those scenarios in my head. And luckily, I can just throw those all in the wastebasket now and and, and kind of move on and, and get back to just talking about Celtics basketball. The wastebasket. I'd call it the bin. Yeah, I don't know why I said wastebasket. I've never called it a wastebasket in like real life. I have no idea why that's what what popped into my head in that scenario. I just it stuck out to me. Yeah, it, it, it was stuck out to me too. I was surprised. It's just the trash. Throw so trash. Um, in the trash, yeah, I just I'd say bin still, but trash makes more sense. So um, I want to end with this. I want to end with my final. It's not a proclamation. It'll be a statement. I'm going to give 
the Adam Taylor statement on my entire emotional capacity. Once this ice cream van stopped ring- making noise in the background. Oh, what would be your choice from that from that ice cream? What's 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 like the the go to? Whether you so still get it or like, you or you, you know got it as a kid. ice cream machine in the mate that pulled it up. So is it the soft serve that that comes yeah, through? Yeah, so the soft ah, serve, and then they okay. then like you get like flavored sherbet that they roll it in. Mm, I feel so, like in a in America, it's more like. I mean, we definitely have some that are more traditional like that. that that's like a more like, a, in my mind, like an old school Americana traditional company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. get a soft serve. Like a lot of times here, at least for me growing up, is they had like all the different like random pop schools you could get. There's like, so they've got them too. They got, okay, that's what I think of. Usually it's like the Ninja Turtle ones with the big, with the big eyeballs or yeah, yeah. they got the, there's the Rocket Blaster or some stuff like that. Did you ever get Fabs? What's that? It was like um, a two-tone chocolate, no, a two-tone ice cream, but then the top half was covered in chocolate with like um, little like candy balls on it as well. Mm, sounds good. No, I don't, I don't know that particular. I mean, that sounds to me a little bit like we have a, like a drum, you know, a drumstick is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an ice cream cone covered in chocolate. Sometimes they have nuts on it or whatever, and then like so, something to that to that degree. That that's one of my go-to's. So I tried a peace pop for the first time the other day. Tell me more about it. Have you tried one? I don't ben, know what it is now. Ben and Jerry's Peace Pop. So I don't know. Oh, wait, why. This, is a, this is like a Ben and Jerry flavored ice cream? No. So it's a, they call it a Peace Pop because it's basically an ice cream sandwich on a stick. Okay. But it's like a salted caramel shell with then ice cream and like cookie filling on the inside. Mm. But it was literally one of the best ice creams I've ever ate in my entire life. Okay, and you got this from like the the grocery store, or yeah, where did you? Okay, store, from a what what from what it's called Asda, but Walmart own it. So from a Walmart, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me say from same, like same from the ice cream van, I would have got a soft serve, and then they do like multicolored sherbet. So you usually, I usually got half bubble gum, half strawberry, and they just <laughs> tip the sherbet on top and then put a flake in, and it's a it's a way at the races. You, you, you know what? Uh... What was what was a, a, a not a staple, but one that I really liked every every once in a while. That sad to see. Do you ever have a choco taco? No, dude, they don't exist. Ah, uh, dude, chocolate covered taco. They apparently, I think, it was made by Klondike a couple of weeks ago. They just said that they were they were shutting down manufacturing of it. So it's been like, which is funny, of, of course, something that's doing horrible like sales wise, and then it's going out of style, and then it shoots up immediately <laughs> as far as how many people want to go buy that. But choco taco. Rest in peace. Although there's some weird, some weird news around, maybe some fake news around. We, we I have, won't get too deep into it, but rest we in peace. Have called Calypso shots. Have you ever heard of that? It's so Calypso Cal- shop. Calypso here is like um, probably the best type of icicle or ice pop. I don't know what you, we call them ice lollies. I don't know what you. Yeah, popsicle. Them. Same thing. Popsicle. Yeah. So it's the best. Popsicle. Although ice lolly sounds way better. I like that ice lolly. But what Calypso did was they released them in little popsicle balls, like about like the size of a ball bearing mm-hmm. and they, they filled up like a, a plastic tub of these like really. Oh, so it's like a push pop. We have, we have, yeah, we have stuff similar to that. Yeah, so you don't, you don't push their loose. So you just mm. tip them into your mouth. Kind of like, I think about it like a popsicle version of pomegranate seeds. Okay. So there's like multiple little balls. Hundreds, of... literally hundreds of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I, I can vision this now. I got They would have bomb dude when you were a kid <laughs> and you were on your push by kind of hot day and you just like, just empty a whole pack. Oh man, they would have bummed. Anyway, my final proclamation on Kevin Durant, and this is a proclamation. No, it's not. It's a statement. The Adam Taylor statement on Kevin Durant. 
The Boston Celtics dodged a bullet by not acquiring Kevin Durant. There was a load of risk in terms of what you were giving up for what you were getting back with the injury history, giving up Jalen Brown. And then obviously with the way Kevin Durant was in terms of wanting out from Brooklyn at the start of a four-year deal, there was no guarantee that he was going to stay there. There was also no guarantee that, what was the no guarantee of? There was no guarantee that he was going to stay there. That was pretty much it. So that was my statement. It was quite short, but <laughs> it, it was sweet. I did have more to say and I, I messed myself off. No, but I think you're right, man. I mean, I mean, from my side of it, it I'm just relieved. That that's yeah. my biggest thing. It's it's a bit of relief, you know. It, I've I've waffled back and forth on what it like it how how vehemently I would I would go about making this trade. And I think for me, there was always a line in the sand, and I don't think that was ever going to be met. So rather than have this hangover. I have this hangover, the the team hangover, the organization. It's nice to be able to put this behind us, move on, and focus about Banner 18. So I'm excited that this might be the last time we have to talk about Kevin Durant trade rumors for a long, 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 long time. The next time I speak about Kevin Durant, I want it to be because Tatum made him his, his son again. <laughs> that's going to be the more fun conversation. Let's yeah. talk about the Nets versus the Celtics. Uh, do you know what I really want? And it would be like the perfect end to this entire scenario. The first time that Brooklyn plays Boston, I want JB to catch a poster on KD. Yeah, JB's caught a lot of bodies in his career. I've seen some several yeah. videos going around of all the bodies that he's caught in various uniforms. So that's definitely in play. And I, yeah, if that happens in the garden, it's going to be electric. Yeah, that has to happen. So JB, if you do listen to this podcast and if you don't, you should. Someone who knows JB send you this. But <laughs> JB, if you do listen to this podcast, please catch a body on KD. Go catch a body. And with that, we will catch you again on Friday, y'all. Oh, I said Friday, y'all. Will, my man, it's been a pleasure, dude. Always, my guy. Happy to be here with you. Ain't disrespecting you, haters. I ain't sweating your opinion. Y'all been testing my patience. Never did it for a check. I've been impressed with the famous. Just rather be creative than stressing my wages. Ageless every time I lay a verse down. One play at a time. Keep it moving like a first down. And at the end of the day, I can say that I made this. MJ never made it to the majors. Still, he chased greatness. Expected that he might fail. And I might too. I might never get to pop champagne. Celebrating with the crew. This ain't everything. I am is something that I do